What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Charlie Wallace of the band Black Smoke Trigger over Zoom video. Charlie was born and raised in New Zealand and talks about how he got into music. He talks about renting this extreme sports VHS tape and uh, hearing Black Sabbath's Paranoid for the first time. And at that point, he wanted to learn how to play guitar, really learn how to play that song on guitar. And from that moment on, he became obsessed with playing guitar. He talked about how he met Baldrick, which was in middle school. And they became friends, both in separate bands. He told us about how those two bands ended up becoming Black Smoke Trigger, how they were able to work with Michael Wagner on their debut EP called Set It Off. And Charlie also talks to us all about the new album and the latest single, The Way Down, and the incredible music video that goes along with it. You can watch our interview with Charlie on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Black Smoke Trigger. Hello there, friends. It is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I want to talk to you about Factor. Factor is an incredible ready-to-eat meal delivery service. The food is absolutely delicious. You can get started on those New Year's resolutions with Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and more. Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. You can forget about the frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your doorstep, which I absolutely love. I love knowing what's coming. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I don't have to prep the meal. That takes another 30 minutes. Just pop it in the microwave, done in two minutes. Factor now offers loads of snack options as well, like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep you going no matter what's on the schedule. What's huge about Factor for me is I always find myself in the drive through line. We have two kids. When they're hungry, they don't want to wait for me to sit down and uh, make something 30, 40 minutes later they got dinner. With Factor, I don't have to stop at the drive through Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. My kids agree. They love Factor over me stopping at, you know, one of the numerous fast food restaurants right around the area. They're ready to heat and eat in just two minutes, which means more time for you. Need a special occasion meal? Gourmet Plus is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast upscale options done easily as well. When things get hectic, which is a lot, <laughs> Over at my house with a 15-year-old and a 7-year-old, 
especially this past week where we've all been stuck inside due to the massive amount of snow we've had here in middle Tennessee. I love factor because it's flexible. You can change your order up every single week with plans from four to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your delivery anytime. Stress less over mealtime in this new year. Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Free up that time you used to spend shopping and cooking and cleaning up. No more wasting time in the kitchen. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I'm way too busy to cook, they also help me stay on top of my goals. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, I can stay on track. This is definitely going to come in handy massively for me in the new year, trying to you know eat more protein, cut down on some of the calories. Factor has me covered. Factor has everything I need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, which I love, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep me energized during those frantic times. And for you Bringing It Backwards listeners, We've got a deal for you. Head to factormeals.com slash BIBTV50. That's B-I-B-T-V-50. And use the code B-I-B-T-V-50 and get 50% off. That's code B-I-B-T-V-50 at factormeals.com slash B-I-B-T-V-50 to get 50% off. B-I-B-T-V-50 and get 50% off at factormeals.com slash B-I-B TV 50. Hey, what's up, Charlie? Hey, how's it going, Adam? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good, man. I am good. Nice and early here in the morning. I got my coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the, it's three o'clock here in the afternoon in Nashville. Uh, what's your time difference? Like eight or 10 hours, something like that? Um, it's So it's weird because we're in the future. So we're like tomorrow, 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> it doesn't quite make sense, but yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so how's Tuesday? Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, well, I'm Adam. Very nice to meet you. Uh, this is a podcast about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about uh, the new single that you put out, and I, and I believe it's going to be part of an album. So maybe we can chat about that as well. Perfect. Sweet. Uh, so first off, born and raised in New Zealand. What part of New Zealand are you from? Hawke's Bay, which is the east coast of the North Island. Okay. What was it like growing up there? Um, it's it's nice. Like, you know, they call it sunny Hawke's Bay. Uh, and the reason is there's like all of these pine forests that kind of surround it. Um, and then so the, all the clouds generally go there and dump all the rain there. So we get a lot of sun here and it's, you know, like a small town, but it's a growing town. Um, there's lots of beaches, um, some of them too dangerous to swim in, but you know, you're, oh, is you're that right? always, yeah, you're always growing up, um, by, uh, you know, always growing up by the ocean and, that's just, you know, for instance, something which, you know, we actually made the remark of when we're traveling through Nashville, the the hills that, this, you know, that you're kind of going through, the, the kind of landscape that you you do get here, but you expect just to see the ocean on the other side, you know, when you get right. to the top of the hill, but it just never, never arrives. But it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful place and, you know, uh, it's just a, 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 yeah, it's actually one of the Art Deco capitals of the world as well, because in 1931, 
uh, the main city, Napier, got mm-hmm. completely decimated by a, a massive earthquake. And then so they rebuilt the whole city uh, in a style that was popular at the time, which was Art Deco. So it's wow. kind of got a little bit of a Miami vibe in some places. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm from San Diego. I only moved to Nashville about three years ago. So I know it's like, you know, growing up next to the ocean. Uh, we had yeah. it not as sunny. It was most of the time like overcast and 70 degrees. Um, yeah. But you said it like there's certain oceans or certain beaches that you don't swim in there, right? It, I'm, why is it just like the waves are too gnarly or the rip current is or like what was the reason behind that or the uh, animals? There's, <laughs> you know, there's actually a, um, a really hardcore undertow. Um, oh. and, and so it's uh, if you get swept in there, you will be stuck in the ocean and be spat out like two kilometers down the yeah down, down okay the so oh it's my gosh uh, so it, it's it's like there's heaps of signs and stuff but you, you every now and then you still see like you know tourists i remember one time i was going down to, to um eat a eat a kebab on the uh on the beach and i'm like hey uh all you you guys from germany get out of the water you're gonna die <laughs> like <laughs> it's a beach we can swim at the beach you know <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, I, we didn't have horrible undertow from my. Maybe we did, but rip currents were a big deal. So, like, if you got caught in the, it was similar where like it would just start taking you farther and farther out and down, and like you had to swim sideways to like parallel to the, the sand to kind of get yourself out of it. Yeah. In order to yeah. come back in. But yeah, I mean, I got caught in one when I was super young, and I remember my dad like he didn't think he was going to be able to get me out. <laughs> The yeah, like lifeguards there, like half the time, not even like paying attention, and you know, or they're not there. It's just like an interesting <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's awesome. It sounds like a beautiful place to to grow up. As far as uh, music goes, how did you get into music? Do you come from a musical family, a musical household? Well, when I was really young, you know, my my I remember my dad had an electric guitar. Um, he didn't play it a lot, but you know, he'd pull it out every now and then, and um, and I, I always like thought it was, you know, a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, never necessarily had, you know, any inkling to, to play myself. Uh, but then as, um, you know, like I would have been like nine, 10, um, cause I might, for most of my earlier life, I was, I was just infatuated with basketball, like completely oh, cool. like, to shave my head. Cause I wanted to be bald, you know, like, cause all the <laughs> basketball players are bald. Yeah. And, uh, I, when Californication came out, um, I was like, I want to play that on guitar. And then, so I got my dad to get me a guitar and started going to these guitar lessons. Um, and, you know, uh, this was just at the school and, you know, and bless her heart, the, uh, the teacher, Miss Williams, she, uh, only knew like the basic four or five chords. And so that's all she taught us. And then, so it was just kind of got boring pretty quickly. Yeah. So I, I set that aside cause you know, I didn't, I didn't want to play 10 guitars. I wanted to play Californication, you know? And then, uh, so I, I set that aside and, you know, continued on my, my basketball journey. And then, um, at one point, you know, my dream was literally to play in the uh, in the NBA. And at one point, I had a coach who he just pushed me too hard, and that's a whole story in itself. And and it's kind of interesting just to see how that has affected, uh, you know, my 
the, the way that I've, you know, gone through the, the rest of my life and like never giving up on anything else. But, you know, I, I did give up this dream that I had. And then so I, I kind of had this big void in my life because it was just, I, I, I've always been an extremely passionate person. I've always put 110% into anything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there's nothing, you're just kind of like looking back, I was just scrambling. I was trying to find something. All my friends were skateboarding at the time. For some reason, I could never quite get the Ollie thing, which kind okay. of <laughs> ruled <laughs> out, out everything else. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so with that, I was like, uh, so I just started skating vert. Okay. And, uh, and then so I was, I was doing that for a little bit, uh, like not a long time, but what that led me to do was go to the video store and rent out a videotape, which was like an ESPN Extreme X, like, you know, extreme sports thing. And I still remember exactly how the cover looked. And I put that in and there was this downhill luging scene where Paranoid by Black Sabbath came on. And it was just like, I was infected with how that made me feel. I was just like, this is making me feel pumped up. This is making me feel, feel amazing. I want to listen to that song again. Of course, I had no idea what the song, you know, like the, the, the song name was or, you know, who did it. And then so I'm like pausing the VHS at the end of the video. And if you remember- Oh yeah, when it gets the credits. Yeah, and you know, like if you remember, like when the with VHS, it's like it would flicker when you'd pause it. Oh yeah, it'd be like. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out like what what it's saying, and so I had heard that you could download songs illegally on the internet. So I was like, well, let's go and get this song. Yeah, and uh, and so you know, I'm like going through one by one, trying to find the song. And then I found it and it was like a terrible version. So I went to go and try and find another version of it. And it came up paranoid black Sabbath guitar tab. And I was like, well, that's obviously going to teach you how to play it. Mm-hmm. And what would be cooler than listening to the song would be playing the song. And then, so I brought it up. I had six lines. I had numbers on it. Of course I knew what frets were. I kind of knew if we had to put your finger on the fretboard. I just hadn't done it in years. And then, so I was about like 13 at the time. And then I was just like, I've still got that guitar downstairs. So I ran downstairs, pulled out this old dusty guitar and then completely failed at playing Paranoid, but I didn't give up until I could. And, uh, and then that was, that was like how I got into music. And I just did not put the guitar down ever since. Like I, I would just play all night and sleep at school for some reason some of the teachers were okay with that some of them were <laughs> like he knows what and, he's gonna do for this life it's cool yeah, yeah <laughs> and I, I just dedicated my life to it from there oh my gosh i have a few uh follow questions because as a kid from san diego who grew up skateboarding that's i got a lot of the music that i liked and found out about via skateboard videos like you just said like talking about you'd pause the vhs or you'd wait till the end to see oh who did Jamie Thomas skate too. And you'd be like, Oh, that was Iron Maiden. Okay. Let me go find that. And then you had to buy the CD for like $18 for the one song that you wanted to hear. But then the rest of the album, thank God was good. And it was like, you know, that's how I found out about misfits and a lot of hip hop was all through skate videos. So I think that's so rad that you were able to kind of discover black Sabbath, obviously through this part of this extreme sports VHS that you happened to. (laughs) 
Well, that's it. And I I think even, um, you know, like the, just like the video games as well. Like I was never huge into video games, but I mean, everyone who was like our age back then at least played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 at least once. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, you know, just the, they just killed it with the soundtrack on that. And that just exposed, you know, like an entire generation of, uh, well, I should say the rest of the generation that hadn't quite caught up to, you know, just that movement of, of music, you know, it was quite, quite an eclectic soundtrack, but it was banging, you know? Yeah. And I'm trying so- to remember what was on that one. I can vividly remember the first one having like Primus and uh, dead Kennedy's on it. But I'm trying to remember what was on the second Tony Hawk. Yeah, like Rage. Um, okay. Oh, you know, like I'm still struggling to think of the, the names right now, but it's just like I, I literally had the, you know, on Spotify now, you can like look up and just go like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And it just like, it's so nostalgic. It's, it takes you straight back to that time. Oh, I'm going to look at just now. I'm just curious. Uh, soundtrack. Um, but yes. Yeah. I mean, hearing those songs of oh, Public Enemy, Anthrax. Bad religion, yeah, raging as a machine, yeah. That's I do remember these now. Now that I'm seeing it, um, but yeah, like I, getting stuff from video games. I don't know if video games are still doing that. I know YouTube. I know YouTube channels will do that, right? With somebody maybe playing a video game and then yeah, it, it'll come yeah. up. Like I have a seven year old son who's obsessed with Tears for Fears right now. Like Songs from the Big Chair is like his favorite album, which is, and I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, that's rad that you like Tears for Fears at, at random, but there's some youtube videos that he's watching that sings everybody wants to rule the world so now he's like found then he found the song now he's watching the old music videos from the 80s but it was all based off some youtube channel yeah it it is crazy just how you know you only need that invitation in you know right. like and mine was <laughs> watching you know like luigi it's just like it's so bizarre to think that something so small can change your life so much. Right. I mean, wow. So then you eventually learn how to play Paranoid, and then you said you never put the guitar down. Um, yeah. So how do you meet the... From what I was reading about uh, Black Smoke Trigger, Black Smoke Trigger was the... You guys met, all met pretty young, right? Like in, in high school or before high school? Um, well, there was like... Uh, it, we all kind of like meet at different times. Like the guy I've known the longest is okay. Aldrich. Okay. And so, uh, so we met at uh, intermediate school. So that's when you're like 10, 11 here in, in, in New Zealand. And he was in the classroom next to me. And, and I just remember like he would always make everybody laugh. He was the class clown. That's, you know, like uh, one of, he got the name, nickname Baldrick from, from one of his teachers naming him after uh, Baldrick from Blackadder, if you've seen that. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's just like this buffoon, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the name stuck. Um, and then so, you know, like back then, you know, he he is is still quite good at skateboarding. So he was one of my friends that was skateboarding. Okay. And then so, um, you know, like at, at one point when we we're in high school, uh, you know, he started picking up the guitar as well. And so he was playing guitar, playing songs, and he was you know playing in a in, in a separate band. And we kind of, it was kind of funny because all of like, I discovered music through, through skateboarding effectively. And mm-hmm. then um, a lot of my friends started picking up instruments as well. And then, so mm-hmm. 
you know, it was it was kind of cool to have, you know, just like that connection. It's like you didn't have to change your friend group or just your friend group were doing the same things that you wanted to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And then so, uh, you know, throughout that time, I'm playing in bands. Baldrick starts coming to the shows and then Baldrick starts you know, coming to our out of town shows and starts like traveling with us sometimes, you know, just, just for fun. And then, uh, you know, I, one time we needed a fill in drummer and then my, uh, my boss at the time, cause I worked at a music store was like, you got to meet this young kid called Josh tomorrow. He is, you know, he, he, he's the, uh, up and coming local. And it was like, okay, cool. And he was like, I can't remember exactly how young he was, but but he was young, like he was like still in, you know, still still in high school at that time. And, um, you know, so we're playing and going to fill in for a uh, for a gig. And um, it was just like, I remember thinking if we ever need a drummer, like permanently, then he's going to be the guy, you know. And then Dan, uh, he is just always being renowned as the best bass player in town. Like he is above and beyond like just he is it's completely obsessive in nature and he is literally just dedicated his life he, he transcribes stuff you know like he just like he, he would just sit there and transcribe music just for fun just because it, it's literally oh, wow. a release it's literally a release for him it calms him down no idea how you know he's like literally insanely good at music and at playing the bass and then so when it came time to be putting this band together uh you know the bass player was was obvious choice of you know he was a a friend of mine and i I knew that you know for instance he'd be keen on playing in a band like this josh we were already playing together and if i take that back just a few years earlier with baldrick he was started to it started to write his own songs, started to you know have his own demos, and then so at an after party of one of my band's concerts, he said, "You want to hear a, you know a couple of demos I've been working on?" And I was like, "Yeah, cool." And he, so he chucks the headphones on, clicks play, and I'm like, "Who's singing?" And he's like, "Oh, me, but I I, I need to find a singer because you know like I I can't sing," and I was like yes you can sing and <laughs> you should sing these songs you know yeah. it took a bit of convincing like he, he he absolutely flat out refused and he got another he got another singer in and um and then so uh at, at one point they needed a hand um playing a couple of parts and you know like i was a friend so he was like hey jonah just jump in and, and play you know like fill in guitar for this little bit and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then that, of course, as it always does, ended up me permanently joining that band. And then I was like, how are we going to get Baldrick to sing? Because we go, you know, like, he sounds amazing. He sounds so much better than these other people we're trying to wrangle in. Like, he should be singing. And he just wanted to play guitar. He didn't want to sing. He just wanted to play guitar. And effectively, it was his band. And then so um, what I did was uh, a little bit, a little bit cheeky. I went out and got like the guy who is like the best guitarist around here, uh, you know, like who's like who's our age, Bish, who's like an absolute freak on the guitar. And I got him to join the band. <laughs> and then so it was like, 
like sorry these uh, me and this other guy are way better than you at guitar we're gonna have to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they it, make it, you sing it, it's like man you're probably gonna have to sing you know and then <laughs> um you know like, it's like, it, it was like it, it was a sick plan but it worked and That's then funny yeah and then so since then of course you know like he's just being baldrick you know and mm-hmm. you know people everyone who hears him sing is just like wow you know and he's yeah i'm surprised he wasn't that wasn't something he's always been you know doing right i mean well, the thing he's got that like is, rock voice yeah exactly the thing with baldrick is he can pick up anything far quicker than anyone else and so because it's like anything he sets his mind to he's just he's like at that above average level way quicker and then so of course because of that he's just kind of like for for a lot of things he doesn't he doesn't have to try to be better than most people and then so he, he's kind of I, I can uh, sometimes with Baldrick it, it sort of feels like he's like oh well you know I didn't have to try very hard to get that good so I'm probably not where it's like no you're just a natural talent and you know and of course yeah. since then he has put in the hard yards and he has you know like put in the work just to you know just to get like his voice sounding as incredible as it does on this new album wow yeah that's that's incredible that he <laughs> that he's just like yeah like I, i'm looking for a singer and he and you're telling him like you who's singing he's like yeah well it's me i mean and you're like no 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 you need to be the singer of this band um and the way you guys went about it it's really pretty funny and so once that happened he's now the vocalist you have to let the other guy down hey sorry man like you're out of the band like that must have been an awkward conversation well, it, it actually worked out quite good because we we did have one guy who was um he he we we're like all right man here's 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 the time for practice and we'd already had a photo shoot oh man and, and he and he was like practice he kind of did that Ellen Iverson thing. He was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like I don't really need practice. <laughs> he was like, I'm kind of just more keen on like the photo shoots and the gigs. And we were like, <laughs> okay, this paints an easy picture. <laughs> yeah, got it. Okay. So that was the easy, easy, uh, you know, departure. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> okay. So then you guys start. And then when, when he moves to vocals, is that when, you did you already have the name or is that when you changed the name to black smoke trigger or you were in another band too right around the same time yeah so uh so at this point like that band with Baldrick singing was called all the king's horses and i was in a band uh called horror set like horace set to egyptian gods night and day sort of thing but mm-hmm. everyone used to think it was horror set and it was like no we're not the horror movie like soundtrack the, horror set. <laughs> yeah. like the, the set of a horror movie exactly yeah yeah bad bad name bad name you know <laughs> if it's not if it's not words in the english language you probably shouldn't call your bandit you know <laughs> and uh, and then so at that point we, there was like kind of like two bands going and then uh things started to get to a point where you could kind of tell like that all the King's horses, well, it just wasn't going to, you know, continue on. And, uh, you know, at that time in Horacet, uh, you know, I had, uh, my friends Jevin, um, and Matt, so, so they were playing bass and, and drums and I was singing, oh, Okay, but I'm not, a, like, I'm not a natural singer. 
um, you know, like as far as I'm, I've got quite a low voice and, and, and in my mind, I'm always like trying to write higher melodies, you know, like, uh, you know, the kind of melodies that Baldrick sounds incredible, you know, when he sings and writes them. And then so we had this band meeting with like kind of like both bands and then the bass player of all the king's horses says here's what i think we should do i think we should break up this band and border you should sing for those guys oh wow <laughs> and, and uh i had already sort of figured out that it, it was probably going to happen and we we're all you know friends and we we're all still like you know super tight friends and then so I, i'd said to border at some point i said hey man if so, if anything was to happen with all the king's horses would you be interested in in singing for horror set and he was like well yeah i mean if anything happened then, then totally and then so it was like okay cool well you know he's said it now as well so like let's just go down that route or that that route and then so yeah we, we just started you know we're just playing like local shows and it was not anything you know not not anything huge you know we had a good like local following and we're traveling around new zealand playing shows uh but it, it was never like all right let's let's you know like have at it and do this thing like 100 percent, you know full out mm -hmm. and then so it, it it got to a point where it was like i'm wanting to take this really seriously i'm wanting to take this to to the next level um and so i had a chat with uh you know with with Jevin and Matt, who are, you know, still both dear friends of mine. Uh, but I did have to have that conversation saying, Hey guys, like, I don't think you're ready for like where I'm going. Like, yeah. The, the, like I'm all in. And if you have any reservations, like speak. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had families as well, you know, which, um, you know, like made things just a little bit more complicated, like, you know, even just time-wise. Um, mm -hmm. and then, so, uh, you know, Matt left first and then so Josh was in drumming. And then so at that point we have me, Baldrick and Josh. And then we have, uh, we kind of, you know, move forward and then it's like, all right, like line in the sand, we're starting to be a band that we're now naming Black Smoke Trigger in February of 2019. It was like the first of February we're going to start jamming. We're going to start writing songs and then we're going to go and record these songs with Michael Wagner in Nashville. <laughs> and then, so wow. how did you get that connection? Uh, there was, it's actually a friend of mine. Uh, I was continuously traveling, uh, to the U S, uh, just m multiple times a year, uh, because in my spare time, <laughs> I founded one of the largest guitar lesson companies in the world called guitar mastery method. Yeah, I was, I was doing some research on that. That's rad. So it's like online lessons. Yeah, yeah. And then, so I mean, back in the day, I thought that I'd just be creating one course and then that would be that. But then it just right. ended up, you know, like growing into this business where, you know, I've got team members all around the world and, you know, we got instructors from, from all around the world. In fact, Edie, one of our guys, is uh, Nashville-based. Oh, cool. And, and then so... You know, I keep on traveling for like, you know, just different business events. And uh, and then through that, I met um, a friend of mine called Rick Barker, uh, who lives in Nashville. And he was uh, Taylor Swift's first manager. And <laughs> we got on real well, but we were never hanging out in Nashville. We were hanging out wherever these, you know, these business events were. And he said, look, man, you 
or, you know, a musician, you're in the music business and you keep coming to the US and you've never been to the music capital of the world. So how about next time you come to the US, you spend a couple of days in Nashville with me and I'll show you around. And I was like, sounds good to me. You know, yeah. I'd love to see it. And then so, so I arrive, uh, I, I crash at his place. And uh, while I was there, um, he had uh, previously introduced me to an amazing, amazing guitarist called Ariel. And she had played in like Eric Johnson's band and uh, played with Vince Gill. And it's just unfathomably good at guitar. And then so she was in town. And so uh, so we were going to catch up. And then uh, I remember like being like, like, waiting to uh to for rick to arrive at dinner and then we're catching up tomorrow with, with ariel and she's like hey do you want to meet michael wagner and i'm like yes do i want to meet <laughs> the guy who pretty much made the soundtrack of my life <laughs> you know like absolutely <laughs> and then so you know we we, uh, we uh, drove out um yeah so he's out in uh mount juliet so we we drove out okay. through you know through through the, all the, the woods and the beautiful scenery and with the deer running on the road and all that and then um we get out there and, and you know he's just just such a beautiful man he is just like such an awesome guy and you know he's showing the studio he's just got like you know the the platinum you know like master yeah, million puppets. records you got, yeah, yeah. You, got, you know no more tears you got skid row and i'm just like this is surreal you know yeah and uh and then so i uh i said to him i was like hey is it okay if i just go get a video of this because like my friends are gonna absolutely love like Freak out you know, the, the lounge <laughs> next to he actually airbnb's it out now but the lounge next to the studio um just you know the whole thing is just covered with golden platinum records and he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, so I go out there and I'm doing this video and then I come back in and then, uh, I don't know if Ariel had said anything to Michael before, but then when I walked in, she said, Hey, uh, Michael, Charlie, she plays in a band. And Michael goes, Oh, cool. You should send me some stuff. <laughs> he's like, I get this all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, if Michael Wagner's saying to send him some, songs i'm going to do it as soon as i get within 10 meters of the computer you know yeah <laughs> of so, course and then so i was like this is uh, you know like it felt like a long shot but i was like well let's just you know i'll send it and so i sent the the horror set tracks that you know of course had baldrick singing on them and he listened to them and he replied back and he said I really like your sound. It's completely up my alley. If you ever want to work together, let me know. So I pretty much replied with, let's book it in. Because that was like, that was like the push that I needed to go all in. Because it was like, well, I'm not going to mess this up. You know, I'm not going to lose the opportunity of working with Michael. And I'm so thankful that I didn't because it, it, it kind of created Black Smoke Trigger. Because otherwise we were you know, waiting for that perfect time. And it was like, okay, there's no perfect time. We need to do this. So we, you know, we wrote, uh, you know, songs for a few months, went over with complete, like incomplete songs. And Michael being the amazing producer, he is helped us shape those into what would become 
our debut EP, set it off. Really? And yeah. I talk about like having a validation, right? Like you send it to this person that you've looked up to all the work he had worked. I mean, yeah, he did Metallica and Skid Row and Motley Crue, I believe, and so many yeah. massive, massive albums. Um, and then for him to say, yeah, I want to do, yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to work with you all and produce an album. Or he did an EP, I'm sorry. But like, yeah. yeah, like you said, now it's like, okay, well, this person's co-signed my band. Let's let's go. Let's do this. Well, it, exactly. I mean, you mentioned Motley Crue. At, at the time, he was recording uh, Mick Mars uh, from Motley Crue's solo record. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. And then so, uh, so he was in, in, in contact with him, um, you know, just texting throughout the day sometimes. And um, on one of the songs that we had, uh, the way I'm wired, Michael goes, you know, Mick would really like this song. Should I see if he wants to play on it? Oh, wow. And it's like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then so uh, he sent the song through to Mick and then Mick was like, yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I'll come down. So he, uh, he you know, he, he drove up and, um, you know, came into the studio with his wife and we, you know, hung out for a day and, and he played on the track. And then, so it was just like, that was a surreal experience, you know, cause it oh was like, God. not what, not what I was expecting to, to happen at all, you know? And obviously, you know, Michael had our back a little bit there, knew that that would kind of open, you know, open a little, a few doors and stuff. And so, uh, you know, so that was, that was really awesome. And just recording that record was just like, in a way it felt like the school of hard knocks because we all were you know so green to recording at that level with someone who's who's not just a yes man and someone is not just going to say yeah that that that's good enough and someone's going to push back on some of your ideas or, or like you know like to like share some ideas of where the song could go and that first record we really feel is like um you know, like wearing our influences on our sleeves, like it's kind of like a, you know, a little bit more uh, like a tribute in a way to all of our influences that that we have, mm -hmm. because we didn't necessarily have a huge amount of time to discover what the sound of Black Smoke Trigger is when the four of us are all having a creative input, because as I mentioned, we, we didn't really have anything even completed. In you know, I'm, I'm like writing the solos like the, the night before we were like writing, like finishing up the lyrics while we we're recording them. And, you know, it was like a, it was a really stressful time in a lot of ways, but in, in, in just an amazing creative time as well. And then so learning so much from from working with Michael, then we went after that. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we you know we're doing music videos with the the underwater music video for Caught in the Undertow, and then you know we're uh, just got into writing songs. We play you know like playing some great shows, but then of course there was this weird thing that happened in 2020 which shut the whole world down for a little bit. So the shows <laughs> stopped, and then so what that meant was that we went into just writing songs. Uh, you know, song after song after song after song. And what is cool is that The Way Down was actually the first song, musically anyway, that we wrote after recording Set It Off. Oh, wow. So that's the first one you guys really had a chance to work on after 
having the recording experience you did with with Michael and and I could see him, you know, why you would listen to you know what he's gonna say and and, and no and he's not gonna probably just be like, Oh yeah, that's good enough. I mean, you look at his walls and you're like, Okay, there's a reason why it's yeah. it's not gonna just be it's good enough. Like he's gonna make sure the best thing comes out, especially if exactly. his name's gonna be on it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was just like it was uh I mean it's yeah, it was just such an incredible time and, he, and you know like he's such a great friend as well now. And you know one thing he said he was like when you know when I work with a band the second time usually half of my work's already done because they include my style of producing into their own creative process. And so I think that that's something really interesting as well. You know, of course, with the, the latest record, we worked with Nick Raskilinex and there's, you know, like you just learn so much for, from recording in those environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask, because you didn't go back with, with Michael on the second, at least on this most recent song, right? Well, it, it would have been tricky to do that because Michael's studio is now at my house. Oh, you bought it from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so, you know, like, uh, even when we, well, even when we were recording with him, he was like, I'm getting ready to hang out my boots. Oh. And, um, you know, like he said, he was like, I've spent my whole life recording bands. And then when I finish recording that band, that band goes out and sees the world. I start recording the next band. And so he spent his entire life in the studio, you know? And so he was like, right, I am ready to, you know, to do this. And I, and I think that, you know, when the world shut down, it was like, it was that push that he needed to finally just actually relax and just take some time for himself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, so I'd, I'd always say to him, Hey, you know, if you're ever going to, uh, if you're going to sell, you know, like sell this gear, then, then cause he was saying about the retiring thing, then, uh, then let me know. And then, so, um, yeah, that was, it, cause the thing is, is that, you know, with Michael and that gear is it's his, it, it, he, he you know, built it up over his entire life. Yeah. And so there's so much like sentimental value in, for, in it for him, you know, and the thing that he didn't want to have happen was for all the gear just to get split up, you know, like a lot of these, uh, you know, units, the compressor units are, you know, they're like single digit serial numbers or some of them just literally say Wagner. And, you know, we've even got some like there's a, a unit I've got here that inside of it has components that recorded the Beatles at Abbey Road. Oh Which my! Every God. time I say that, I get like chills in my body because it's like that is just not a real thing, surely you know, like absolutely crazy. And then so one of the cool things was, um, you know, Nick and Michael had uh, had had you know met before, uh, but never in an environment where they could really you know have a have a discussion. And one time when I was in uh, in Nashville, it was actually during the uh, the mixing of the the latest record. Um, Nick was like, you know, you're going to catch up with Wagner while you're here. And I was like, yeah, yeah I was going to, you know, see, so you want to go to go, go for lunch. Do you want to come? And he was like, hell yeah. And man, I got to tell you to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. <laughs> like that was incredible because Nick just absolutely loves all of Michael's stuff. And Michael loves the stuff that Nick does as well. And then so, you know, Michael is a huge, huge Hailstorm fan. And, oh, interesting. Uh, 
Yeah. And then, so, uh, so that, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That conversation. Did Nick use your, your gear that you bought for Michael for the album then? Well, funny story. <laughs> we originally went over to record an EP with Nick. And then, so we were over there for a couple of months and as we're getting closer to the end of that time, Nick said, these songs, uh, I think it was like six songs. He said, these songs are too good to go on an EP. I think you wow. guys should, should make this your first album. And so at that point we were like, okay, like this is, you know, just a slight different frame of thinking now. Yeah. And then so he said, go home, play the shows that you got booked. You know, like these other song ideas. I like these ones, develop these ones out, bring me some new ideas and, you know, decide how you want this album to flow and then come back and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll record the rest of the songs. So we're like, okay, perfect. Sounds great. Uh, because of all the lockdowns and everything, the New Zealand consulate here, uh, or the US consulate in New Zealand had completely shut down for quite a long time. So they were so backed up with visa requests that the first time that we went over, uh, we got in with a, uh, like a, a visa waiver, work visa waiver sort of thing. You know I mean? Getting US visas, if you know, you're outside of the US is a long difficult process yeah and i heard it's a nightmare our you know our attorneys in, in new york like luckily got us this uh, this visa waiver thing which meant that we you know have, had to go through the secondary questioning and all that kind of stuff and it's just like man is this are they gonna lead us in you know <laughs> but um so why are you time, really coming here you're like oh, yeah yeah a record like <laughs> and so for the first time uh, that we, we went there, it was on this waiver. And if we'd stayed in the US, we could have stayed in the US for a year. But because we left, we now needed a new visa to get in. And our attorneys were like, oh, by then, you know, we got like six weeks in between, you know, so like we'll, we'll be able to suss it out in that time so that you guys, you know, can just have your, your, your full visas. And then it starts getting a little closer to the time. We're starting to sweat a little bit. We're like, is this going to work? You know, are we going to get these visas in time? And then basically we got the, the word that like New Zealand is too backed up. You were not getting your visa. And then we are like, okay, well, what on earth do we do now? And then so our, uh, at this point I had the gear, Michael's gear, but it wasn't set up. And then so um, our attorneys said, look, we can get you expedited appointments in another country it can be any other country other than us so we've had success doing this in australia and success doing this in mexico obviously being in new zealand it's much easier for us much easier for us to get to australia so i was like okay yeah. cool get it get us into australia we'll get our visas there and then we'll fly over and then they were like okay slight problem uh they've denied our expedited <laughs> request <laughs> uh, so we're gonna try and get you one in mexico and it was like okay Let's, you know, let, we, we're just waiting to find out when we're going. And then I wake up uh, from a, a, a text from manager, Andy Gold, and said, call me when you wake up. And so I call him and he's like, all right, good news. We, we got you an expedited appointment. Um, the bad news is it's in two days in Mexico City. So pack a bag right now and get there. And so... 
that was a journey in and of itself because through all the delays and everything, we ended up literally running through Mexico City at 7 a.m. in the morning, dripping with sweat and getting there 15 minutes late. Luckily, they didn't mind that we were 15 minutes late. So we're in Mexico. We hand over our passports and we're like, okay, cool. In a few days, we're going to be getting these things back and then we're off to finish this record. It didn't happen like that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you probably didn't get the passports back? Well, we like I got mine. I got, <laughs> okay, I, I I got mine, and uh, and Andy, who he's like our day to day manager slash sort of stage manager slash guitar tech, um, and um, he he got his as well. And then Dan, um, our bass player, he got his as well. But at this point now. Dan has to leave because he has to come back home for a family emergency. So we, we had to like bail him out and like get him flown back to New Zealand. And then so uh, Andy and I get to exactly where you are in Nashville. And mm-hmm. we, and Nick's like, okay, I mean, it's all well and good that we got the guitar player of the band, but like, when are we going to get the other guys, man? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and then so... Uh, Josh and Baldrick are like are still in Mexico. Josh's comes through. So now we're talking like a week and a half, like, uh, you know, of, of, of just being there without our passports, like a little bit, a little bit of an odd feeling. Yeah. Just, what were you guys doing? Just hanging out in Mexico city? Yeah. Well, um, actually a couple of the guys, um, really got Dan and Andy really got affected by the altitude. We didn't realize how high that was. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Andy had had a collapsed lung before, so he was messed oh, struggling, up. Struggling, yeah. He, he was just pretty much just lying in bed the whole day with like no energy, and um, and Dan was was a little bit the same as well. So uh, the, so me me and uh, Josh and Baldrick, we we went out, we went to the Teotihuacan pyramids and go and look at museums, and you know, oh, that's that cool. Stuff. Yeah, so we got we got to do a little bit of the touristy stuff while we're there, you know, and. Um, and then so, yeah, at this point, you know, Josh finally gets out. And so he gets to uh, to the studio. And so it's like, okay, cool. We can now start because we have the drama. We start recording these songs. We're just like waiting every day. Like, is Border coming in today? Nope. Border coming in today? Nope. Border coming in today? Nope. Because you see, Baldrick got a DIC here, which is um, a DUI. Mm-hmm. And that meant that there's like about a million more steps to get. Oh, a visa. yeah. I've heard, I've heard it's, um, well, I have friends bands that were having that issue getting to Canada. Like they couldn't play Canada yeah. cause they had like a DUI or something like, well, yeah. what? Um, I oh, mean, man. like, you know, <laughs> like, like it, it was like it, the, the worst part was that like, you know, like, um, this was on a night that I had like sort of purposefully said, all right, guys, no one's driving. I'm going to come pick you up. We're going to leave the car there. And it was when he went home, he went driving. And oh then my so, gosh! Uh, and then, and then, so the 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 thing is that um, what that led to um, was um, an amazing story of Baldrick being stuck in Mexico for about a month, most of that <laughs> time being by himself. <laughs> and then, so um, you know, like at one point, we got the word uh, from our attorneys, "Hey." 
Baldrick is not getting into the US during this period of time you're booked into the studio. Oh my gosh. We need to go and fit. Luckily it's all, all sorted now, but it was just like shit. And so we're sitting in the room with with Nick and you know I could tell he was pissed. You know, like and I, I would have been too. I mean it's like, you know, he set aside this time and through actions that were, you know, nothing, you know, had nothing to do with him. The singer huh. of the band can't be there to record the songs, kind of an issue, you know? Right, right. And then, so we just sort of like, oh, what do we do? Do we do it, you know, remote? Do we like, you know, like, what is it? Do we just send a whole bunch of takes and then you just pick them? And, you know, it's just like, Nick was just doing such a great job of just pulling the best performances out of every single band member so we didn't want to do that we didn't want to not have him in the room we knew that it, that it would that was like it, how have we made it happen even if we I mean we had to like wait until this visa stuff had all blown over we wanted nick to be there to be in the room to produce you know like the vocals and, and all the extra parts that we we had to do and then so nick goes well, i'll tell you what you got all that gear of wagner's if you set that up, I'll come and, and do it at your place. And then so we're like, okay. So <laughs> we came back, went through all of Michael's gear, set it all up in the dining room of my house, effectively made the entire house a studio. I've got this like really awesome entranceway and it's like really big. It's kind of like if you put drums in there, it's like total like, zeppelin vibes when you're I was gonna say, yeah, like Ze zeppelin four or whatever then they record yeah. the drums in there exactly and it's like just yeah. when the levy breaks it's just like it's just ah, it's just the natural reverb and it's just incredible and then so he was like man this is perfect like let's just set some drums up right here like all the drums of the record were like pretty much already done i think he just wanted to set the drums up because it was it just sounded amazing in there you know <laughs> kind of like he came up with a few little things that we could get to like overdub on drums and like fills and stuff and um and yeah it, it was just it was so much fun man he, so he came over uh for 10 days and it was just like the moment that he arrived at my house you know we had 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 a, had a uh you know a coffee because it was it was quite early in the morning and then you know, he kind of just showed him around, showed him his room. And then he's like, all right, well, should we get into it? And it was like, okay. Like, I thought you were going to need some sort of rest or something, but like, yeah. let's go. And so, uh, it, and it was just like that for 10 solid days, right up until, uh, until he left, like until the actual moment that he left. And in fact, the, um, one of the things which was, which was quite heavy for me at the time um was that uh my uh i just found out that my my mom's um cancer had had spread throughout her, her entire body and um it was you know so i'm trying to like stay focused and get, and get this record done while like while this is while this is going on and it's just like it's a real a real heavy feeling you know obviously it's like it's it's your mom you know yeah and then so uh when we, we we actually ended up um you know adding an extra song onto the the end of the record and um and it's not quite in the same way the way you'd expect it but i because uh, it's quite a pumping track but it has this nice classical piece at the end and and i, I wrote it as a, as a tribute for my mom and 
<clears throat> yeah, it was literally the last thing that we recorded was oh this God. classical piece. And we were like recording it right up until the moment <clears throat> that he needed to leave and go back to the, to, uh, you know, to the plane. And, uh, you know, it, 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 one of the really cool things about it was being able to write a song for someone while they're still alive, you know, cause it's like most people obviously, you know, through the grieving process, you, you know, like to get it out, you, you're writing a song about, you know, how much you, you, you know, you miss someone. It's like, there's a lot of songs like that, but I was like, I want to write a song about like, just almost just saying thank you, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, it was it was awesome being able to share that with her, especially you know with my brother. Like you know, obviously it's it, the song's not 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 released yet. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then so you know, unfortunately, my mom um, actually just passed away just on Saturday. Oh um, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a tough week, but um, you know, like the, the one of the the things which kind of helps me have a little bit of closure is the fact that there's the song. That's the last song on the record that is in tribute to her, you know? And then, so, uh, yeah, it was a really cool thing, you know, to have, to have done. And, you know, adding that classical piece is, uh, it's awesome. Cause then now there's just that added memory of like, well, I recorded that like right through those doors, like, you know, uh, behind this computer. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, I'll just always cherish that, that memory. I'm so stoked that, you know, Nick came over here for that as well so that I could have that time with, uh, you know, with mom while we were recording as well. So. Yeah. And to, uh, have it be like the very last thing, right? Like he's got to go and it's like, well, let's get this one last piece. And then it happens yeah. to be, you know, a funny story though with it is that, um, uh, well, yeah, we, we like, he was like, man, we need like an awesome classical guitar. And the one I had was okay, but I was like, no, man, let's go and get like, I want to, I want this to be special. Let's go and get a guitar. So we go to the, the music store I used to, to work at. We get this awesome, like, uh, you know, Spanish made guitar. We hear recording. And then, uh, you know, we have like three mics that are, they, you know, set up and, and, you know, meticulously placed so that, you know, all in phase and everything. And, and then, it's so you can literally hear the birds chirping outside and then through this mic, you know, like if you take, take the headphones out and then you can't hear them chirping, but you put them in, you know, these mics are so, that so, good. so sensitive. Yeah. And then, uh, then all of a sudden I just hear like this lawnmower stud up and I'm like, ah, and it's, it's, it's my neighbor, Ellen. And he's like, you know, in this big like tractor in this field, like doing the, doing lawnmower. And it was just like, and my dad was here and I was just like, grab a bottle of wine. Just like, just, just, <laughs> just take a bottle of wine and just ask it. Cause of course we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah. Like, give us to him do. and just tell him, wait an hour. <laughs> and, then, and then, so, so we, we do that. And then we go, and we start, <laughs> we, we start recording again. Next minute, my other neighbor starts doing their lawns. It's like, get a bottle of wine. Not, not one of the expensive ones. Because if we have to give a bowl of wine to the other day, we're going to start running screwed, out of good yeah. wine. And so that, that's, yeah, that was it just kind of yeah, added some humor to the moment. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's – I'm glad that you were able to get that piece. And I'm super sorry to hear about your mom. I mean, that's awful. Especially – it literally just happened. Like, you, you could have canceled this. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Oh, man. It's uh, – <laughs> It, it was, uh, it's one of one of those things, man. If if uh, you know, if I, I think it's you know one of those things that the people have to grieve, but then it's also 
you know, if I look at what my mom would want or what really any parent would want of their kids, it's like, keep going, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so it's like Dan, you know, our bass player, he, uh, you know, just like a month ago, he lost his father, you know? And then, so, um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where like now that song kind of has a double meaning has, it's, you know, it has a meaning for, for him now too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, uh, again, man, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, is like was this like recording process of this this new album was that fairly recent i know because like you said you put the ep out in 2019 and then the pandemic which throws a couple of years of time in there but like you know coming back and then just releasing kind of the first new song in almost like three years right a little over three years Um, well we actually recorded this whole record in 2022 oh okay which is and then so we've been sitting on this for a while uh just waiting for you know just all of the right puzzle pieces to be in place um part of that you know was you know because we've got you know a great team involved now um and you know obviously andy gold uh our manager managed rob zombie lincoln park uh you know pantera lionel richie yeah uh, he yeah. also produced a bunch of films too right didn't he produce a yeah. lot of the the uh rob zombie zombie stuff right because he yeah, well he yeah. worked with rob zombie so that makes sense but yeah he produced a bunch of films yeah and so he, he's still doing that he's uh he, he's got a uh he's got one coming out next year uh called pandemic six party oh no way <laughs> i'll let you fill in the blanks <laughs> uh, is it a rob zombie film no, it's it's not a Rob Zombie film. This one, um, it's uh, um, yeah, a, a guy who's uh, done a whole bunch of music videos for for his bands, and so um, yeah, that's awesome. And we got a track on it too, so that, that's going to be cool. Oh, um, nice! And so, and so you know, like this this year, twenty twenty three, is just all being about effectively getting all of the puzzle pieces in place for for the for the release. Uh, so we actually recorded. We, we've done two music videos. And so we originally thought we were going to, well, it's now going to be our second single. We thought it was going to be the first single. We did the mm-hmm. music video. And then, uh, then as we started getting, you know, uh, more team on board, they were like, Hmm, I think that we should have this song here, uh, the way down as, as the first single. And it was like, okay, well let's, let's do that then. And then our manager was like, get the video done. And I was like, okay. Well, on that note, I've got this idea where we play on the tallest building in the Southern Hemisphere on the outside of it, and then I jump off the building for the guitar solo. And he was <laughs> like, well, okay, how quickly can you get that done? And I said, uh, I don't know. And he was like, okay, well, let's just get a performance video, and then we, we can do something more elaborate later. And I was like, just give me a few days. Let's just see, see what we can make happen. Yeah. And somehow they thought it was a good idea to let us do it. <laughs> <laughs> the video is awesome, by the way. Yeah, it was, oh man, it was just absolutely mental to, to be filming up there. And then, so yeah, somehow they, they let us do it. And then, so we just like went full out into your creating this video and it, it took a lot of work and 
you know, it totally like the end justifies the means. And, um, you know, because the, the team were like, when are we going to get this video? Like, we need this this video to, to be able to release the song. Like, hurry up, guys. We're like, just 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 a little bit longer. It will be worth it. It will be worth it. <laughs> and then so, you know, obviously the uh, the actual experience of filming a music video playing up that high with a helicopter swirling around you filming it was just like one of the most surrealist experiences of my life man i was getting anxiety watching the video i was just like <laughs> thinking about being out there like no that's not i'm not i can do like roller coaster heights and stuff where i know i'm strapped in but just to be where you guys were watching that video i was like yeah no thank you and we were out there for hours too it was oh my god hours so you kind of in a weird way you kind of got used to it because you know you're just out there for so long and um and each of us actually had like a safety person that was like 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 uh just out of light uh and then so you know obviously uh just like in the movies they're all edited out but um but we kind of had someone there we could kind of chat to if we wanted to you know so it kind of made it a little a bit safety weird. person and like what if you fall off like they're they're in oh, so, so, so we you, did have you? ropes we, we oh, did okay. have harnesses. <laughs> okay. so, so, yeah. but so still harness like was, even a harness was yeah that still scared the shit out of me yeah the harness was like underneath our clothes and so like you know dan is terrified of heights baldrick's not a fan of, of them at all and then so uh I said to them, all right, guys, well, let's go and go out onto this walkway, you know, like a month before it, just to see if you guys are going to be okay with it, you know, because like, I, I don't know what I would have done if they said no, because I would have been like, <laughs> ah, damn it. <laughs> but uh, I'd be like, shoot me in a studio in a green screen and just throw me in there. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the craziest thing is I can't believe we managed to convince them to let us have a drum kit out there. Like, yeah, yeah. we, we, we can actually see we, we've, we uploaded like a making of, um, of the whole thing. And one of Baldrick's many talents is welding. He's, he's kind of, he's one of those guys where he can like grab a handful of like nuts and bolts. And then you give him a few hours and then he's like, check out this deer I made from like these nuts. It's like, <laughs> oh my it's gosh. Insane. And then so, uh, so he like literally like welded together like this base uh, for like for the riser and two parts that it could fit through the door, linking together with like racing pins and stuff, so that the whole thing would were, like you know was going to all hold together and nothing was going to fall off the tallest building in the southern hemisphere and then kill someone with yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> at, at the bottom and then so uh, you know that that was crazy in in and of itself. And then the other thing was, of course, you know, when I when I jumped off the the tower, um, you know, because they said yes to us, you know, walking on the outside. And I'm like, hey, can I jump off it with my guitar? And they're like, we can definitely do the other bit. We'll have to see about that. And then so, you know, what one thing that I think that we did to kind of like really help make this actually happen was we tried to think of all of the reasons why they could they could say that you know safety reasons that it, you know it wouldn't work and just find a way to solve those to start with and then so this is the actual guitar I, I jumped off off with and then so on the back here um i actually have these metal clamps 
Um, oh, wow. And then so, so those were actually like carabined like in, onto the harness that I was wearing underneath the clothes so that when I was like literally jumping off, the guitar would sort of still stay with me. And hopefully the only danger was, was just not going to oh. whack me. You know? Yeah, or if you dropped it, right? Well, exactly. So, <laughs> that wouldn't have been good either. And then, so yeah, literally had like these clamps on the back of these, these brackets. And then, so uh, <laughs> jumping off it, uh, <laughs> the first, like the day before we actually started filming, they said, all right, well, uh, you know, you guys want to come in and, uh, you know, check that these, uh, that these harnesses are going to fit underneath your clothes. We're like, okay, cool. So, we just there like going, okay, cool. This is going to work. Yeah. We can, you know, like, you know, got a rope coming up the back and, you know, like kind of uncomfortable, but like, you know, the jackets covering the, the covering the harnesses. And then, so <laughs> the first time that I go to jump off, um, <laughs> they hang me out over, over the edge. And then, so they, cause it's on, on this cable. So there's like, where I kind of got the idea from is because well they already do it. It's like this, you know, a tourist thing, jump off the sky tower. Like they've already got the apparatus to do it. So I'm like, well, Oh, that was going to be a question I was going to have for you. Like, how are you getting them to just be like, cool with the fact that you were like, yeah, we, we could just like put up a cable and I'll just jump off the side of it. Like, so this <laughs> is already a thing you can kind of, you could pay to do or whatever your tourist, you can go do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then so, and of course, you know, we just, uh, you know, like had the cables removed for the video, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so, um, it, like, uh, uh, I walked out to the edge. And so I, I had this uh, this lady with me, um, you know, one of the safety team. And then so they, they she's like, okay, so I'm going to pull you up. And so your feet, get your feet like over the edge. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you up. So you're kind of going to be on like your tippy toes. And, uh, and I'll be holding you. And then as soon as I let you go, then you, you're going to be falling. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Like all makes sense to me. Cause I, you know, like normally they get you to hold on to these bars before you, before you jump off. Huh. And, uh, but I needed to be ready to play the solo. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to just jump off with the guitar. I wanted to literally play the solo on the way down, you know, like for it to, to, to be legit and for it to look legit. And then, so I'm walking up to the edge, my feet are off the edge and it just pull, pulls me up and I'm like dangling out 630 feet high, looking out over Auckland city. And I'm just like trying to keep my heart rate down and also going, you brought this upon yourself. <laughs> and then, so I, she's holding and holding and then they, they keep just yelling, hold, hold. And I'm just sitting there going, this is a long time. Like what is taking so long? Little did I know there was a problem with one of the batteries and one of the cameras down at the bottom. And now oh. we're like, don't jump, don't jump. Yeah. And then, so there's this whole line of communication. And then, so uh, it, watching the raw footage, they literally had me hanging out over the edge for two minutes. And then, so if you can imagine how long those two minutes felt like. Oh my and gosh. So, yeah. You're just anticipating falling for so long. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. Two minutes then, is a long time. If you're just sitting there. Yeah. And then, so I'm just like, like hanging out, just going, enjoy the view. Just enjoy the view. And then the worst part is I started just getting cramp in my legs because my feet start slipping. And this chick, 
it, she didn't expect to be there for two minutes. She's starting to run out of steam. And so she's just slowly like, kind of like, and feel it just like into my feet and like just slip, like just starting to slip on this metal thing. And I'm like, <sighs> like, don't slip. You're going to fall off and ruin the shot, you know? And there's something more terrifying about it happening when you don't want it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, so I'm hanging, hanging off the edge of feel slip. And I'm just like, get the, the like, and I'm nearly going to say like, pull me in, pull me in. I'm thinking if I say, pull me back in, Everyone's just going to think that, you know, I, I, I was there and was yeah, you're you know, like, I'm not, it, right? that's not an option. There's not an option. <laughs> they just get a hold on to this cramp and my feet are slipping. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, I'm going to go. And then, uh, then they're like, all right, count down from 10. And I'm thinking, why does it have to be from 10? Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's do a three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so as soon as, uh, as soon as she let me go and I, you know, just kind of, uh, jump slash fell off the tower um it, it was like you know just floating down it was kind of a relief because all of a sudden i could relax my legs and then yeah. just playing the solo like just going down i'm just thinking like this is crazy um and it was absolutely surreal and then as soon as i get to the bottom then i needed to run to the elevator go up again and jump off again to make sure we had enough coverage while the helicopter was still there so i had to go and do a jump again straight away and then oh so my gosh and then, so just as I went up, um, then um, I, I said to uh, to Andy, you know, our tech, I said, got any, got any tips? Like, you know, how did that look? And he, he was like, he said, like, I looked okay. You just like, maybe like move your legs a little bit more because it kind of looked like uh, you looked a little too comfortable doing it. So I was like, <laughs> okay, got it. And then, so the uh, the jump that's in the video um, is, is the second jump. And so you jump off, you see me jump off and I'm just like, <laughs> like yeah. the leg up. and then so yeah just floating down playing the guitar solo with this like blue hue and you know it's like nighttime it's just like i remember laughing to myself at just how absolutely absurd that moment of my life was dude it's a it's a not only is that part in, insane right and the fact that you are all out there but like the premise kind of in the video itself like uh how you all take over like the the lounge band and just like the funny kind of piece that kind of goes along with the entire uh video as well yeah yeah the, the cool thing is that um originally you know like the idea obviously spawned from being up on top of the tower and then it's like well what's the reason why why are we up there and right. you know like the, this whole band is you know we just have so much fun together and we just constantly telling jokes and you know and then so we're like well that's this is an opportunity to sort of you know like like seriously Baldrick is the funniest guy you'll ever meet you know and, <laughs> and so uh and so this is a, a way of being able to show you know like a different side side to us and you know, we wanted to have something that, you know, had the absolute spectacle of, say, you know, caught in the undertow, which, which we filmed underwater, um, which, you know, everyone was always saying, how are you going to outdo that video? And then so uh, we wanted to have that, but then, you know, add some storyline into it, add some funny, you know, funny moments into it, um, have a reason why we, you know, why, why we discovered that, you know, how we find the key and, you know, go out there. And, <clears throat> and then so it was just, adding in all that stuff was took made it so much more work mm -hmm. but paid off so much you know and then <clears throat> excuse me there's so much story that happens 
that people can pick up so many things by watching again multiple times. And then we also added in like a huge amount of Easter eggs all throughout the video just to, you know, for the super fans just to like pick out and find. And I won't, I won't mention all of them, but, you know, for instance, one of them is that we replaced all the screens. And then so the last time that I knocked the waitress with the drinks over as I'm trying to run back up the tower in the background, uh, is actually Baldrick dressed up as a news anchor reporting on the fact that there's this band playing at the top of the tower. Oh, it's kind of, it's interesting. Kind of inception kind of stuff happening. Yeah, I got to look for those. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, there's so much thought into this video. I mean, so much planning. I mean, to do what you guys have done, that's really incredible. Yeah, thanks, man. It, it was yeah. so much fun to make and a lot of stress, but, uh, you know, as yeah. I said, before, the end justifies the means and uh, sure. you know, I'm damn happy we did it. Yeah, and you got the record finished and uh, you're going to release it. You know, I don't think you have a release date out, do you yet? Um, we don't have a release date out yet. Um, in fact, we're going to be having a meeting with our uh, distribution team um, about the release of the second single very soon. Um, and then so, yeah, don't have the release date for uh, for the album yet. Um, and we will have, I mean, it's going to be 2024. I know that sure. much. Um, yeah, I just want this out to the be next out there. Six weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just want this to be out there. But, uh -huh. uh, you know, like it, it's one of those things where, you know, we got we to gotta do it right and, you know, get people excited for it as you, you know, as you do. And so um, I really can't wait for, for everyone to hear uh, this next single that we're releasing. It's called Perfect Torture and it is a very different song. I think people are going to see a different side of the band that I've never heard before and Baldrick is really really highlighted in this one you know like it's 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 a it's a builder it starts out with this acoustic guitar and ends in utter chaos so it's yeah it's going to be exciting the, the video for that one is really cool as well so it's it's there's not sort of stunt stuff but it's very visually impactful amazing well i can't wait to hear it and uh check out i can't wait to check out the new video as well um and i appreciate your time thank you so much charlie for doing this man i know it's early uh where you're at so i appreciate you you know taking time and and i'm very sorry to hear about your mom and um but uh, yeah i appreciate your time today awesome thanks adam it's been a great chat man appreciate yeah, it i have one more question for you yeah. before i let you go uh do you have any advice for aspiring artists my advice for aspiring artists would be to number one, make sure that you have gone all in on your craft. And that's not just, for instance, for musicians, that's not just your instrument. That's not just being a great technical player. That's not just being able to work well with the band. Um, it's not just, you know, having good timing. It's that the craft where you know where the real winners of the you know especially the music industry are made are people who can write great songs and i feel like that is you know just something that this band has just really grown in especially for this new record you know it's just going all in on what is going to be a great song and you know just learning from the great songwriters of the world and you know going all in on that because you know, if you have a great song, you don't necessarily need amazing production to get it across. I mean, I think we've all 
been in situations where I've heard incredible productions and then when the song finishes, you can't remember a single line of the song. However, uh, you can have the likes of Bob Dylan sitting there with, you know, his voice playing the guitar and it's just an acoustic guitar and a voice and, you know, people are getting moved to tears. And so I'd say like, you know, just go all in and, you know, and just the other thing is just make sure you really want this. Like, do you want to dedicate your life to this? Because it is the hardest business in the world. You know, every, the, the, everyone wants to do it and, uh, and no one wants to put in the work <laughs> a lot of the time. So, you know, is it something that it is better off just being a hobby? Because for a lot of people, I think that it's, you know, like that, that it is, but it's like, if you do want this and you really, really want this, dedicate it, you know, your craft, your instrument, your songwriting, and read some books on business because so many people just have no idea about, you know, what it takes. It's like, it's, you can't sell a secret. So even if you did happen to write a song equivalent of Bohemian Rhapsody, if you don't have the right people to help you, the, you know, the right managers, the right publicists to get this in front of people, no one's ever going to hear it. So, you know, it's one of the, the, the necessary evils of, of the world. I mean, you look at people like, you know, James and Lars from Metallica. It's like, well, they, they think about this in, you know, in the business way. It's like you create the music that you want to create. If other people like it, then that's awesome. If other people want to come and see that live, then that's awesome. If And you kind of got to be okay with it not happening. Because I don't think anybody should ever just be going out there creating music because they think that it's going to going to resonate. You know, I think that you got to love what you do. you got to love the music that you create or the art that you create. And then if there happens to be a market for it, learn how to get your songs in front of that market.